0: Good morning Mike Good morning so we're we're approaching a nice summer relaxing season um but uh why not ruin it with politics you know uh, <laughs> no I, you know I, I don't I don't know um it's it could be amidst the the crazy political climate today but um this this notion has come to mind of really you know how do we how do we vote well and I think it's it's probably either a bit of a lost art or a never discovered art. Um, no, I, I think there's, there's gotta be some wisdom there that just to be frank, I don't think, uh, I possess, and, and I don't think a lot in my generation possess. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of a conversation I had with a friend. He was talking about how we've become so increasingly polarized in how we vote. You know, you, you, you have more people that just vote all red or all blue today. And, um, you know, thinking about it, it's just I, I I suspect a lot of that is because we've we've lost the wisdom in voting, maybe what it means to vote, um, and quite possibly we stick to issues, but the issues we care about tend to, to just all fall left or all fall right, and uh, you know I, I don't think it's I don't think it's an effective solution clearly, but uh, I'm I'm not sure. The, the best way to go about it i mean even when you when you do research a lot of it comes down to just issues and then your ballot comes down to left and right so i don't know i'm, I'm curious if there's there's some lost wisdom there that you might have
1: well i don't know if i have um it's certainly contentious issue um, i am reminded um that jefferson said this form of government requires an educated electorate So I think from the guinea pet, um, you know, I have a good friend who used to be a Senator from a certain state and no longer, he's in private practice now. And we email back and forth. And his father was also served as in, uh, in Congress representing his state. And, um, so that was in the, so he grew up in the sixties, um, as a child. And, um, just feels like it's a, it's an almost an entirely different day today, uh, on both sides of the ledger. So, uh, and so he emailed the other day, just said I have grave concerns, and um, yeah. So, first of all, I, I just, I don't really see, uh, I see very few who would uh, embody jefferson's notion of an educated electorate you can see why there's a lot of um in the uh, founding of our country there's a lot of uh, debate back and forth whether or not you would actually elect um representatives rather they'd be selected by uh, sort of an elite and you can see how even that word wouldn't fly today and didn't fly then yep and um so yeah i uh, i uh, you can tell I'm kind of uh, searching for the the uh, options are not very good right now, the uh, available options, and uh, probably because we're no longer um, I don't I don't recognize either party for mm-hmm. for what they have uh, long ago initially uh, advocated for so. Uh, I heard some the other day say, you know, blah, 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 conservative versus liberal, blah, blah, blah. I think maybe this would be most helpful to understand. We're not looking at conservative versus liberal. At least in my, one man's opinion here, oh, we are.
0: No, I, I agree. I totally agree.
1: <laughs> uh, some would say we're looking at chaos. I mean, I watch what's <laughs> happening right now with, uh, uh Cheney. And, uh, because she simply felt and has, and has not yielded on um, the former president's uh, actions and behavior and so on and so forth and continues to uh, say the election was stolen. She just says, no, no. Well, now she's being drummed out of uh, uh, three caucuses in which she was on the leadership. They're just trying to drum her right out of the Senate, and I just go, you, you, you've you've got to be so blind and this is on both sides of the aisle though <clears throat> so I, rather conservative liberal I think what we're looking at is what's lost on uh, which you don't what an uneducated electorate doesn't see we're looking at conservatism versus progressivism
0: hmm. yeah That makes sense. I've, I've heard a lot of, uh, kind of quote unquote liberals that, that are actually frustrated at their, their own party. And I think you have the same thing with, uh, quote unquote conservatives that are equally frustrated with theirs. And it, and it seems that (laughs) both, both feel lost.
1: Yeah. And the fact that, um, even if you're a, a follower of Christ, The uh, most followers of Christ I know, at least, are unfamiliar with what would be the difference between conservatism versus progressivism. Uh, They just wouldn't be familiar with it. And uh, both of those are um, very much, have kind of blown through any sort of stops, checks and balances. They are just uh, all in um uh, damn the torpedoes and it's it's that's troublesome
0: can can you unpack the, each of those a little bit we've we've talked about isms adding those mm-hmm. to the tail end but um can you unpack that a little bit
1: well yeah um i'm trying to think of um so we'll start with the, uh, the conservative movement. conservatism is the is i would call it let's just call it the idolatry of conservative So conservative has inherently um, a lot of good things in it. One would be what Thomas Sowell would call the uh, constrained view of society. And the constrained view that uh, relies more on um, the wisdom of institutions, primarily uh, family, religion, commerce, and that um, property rights, uh, so on and so forth. So... Conservative generally believes more in limited government. Uh, Reagan, for his um, somewhat superficial but sincere embrace of it, you know, said, "Government is the is the problem." Um, that's that's when you're starting to tilt any conservatism. Government is not inherently the problem. What well, he was, but to nuance that for the electorate, you they don't pay attention. If you nuance it with seven words, Uh you know, it just, it's just the way it is. I think it's pathetic. But um it, it does remind me in the uh, lectionary readings this past week, Uh I can't remember. I think it was, yeah, I think it was toward the end of Colossians or I think Romans. Uh, and Paul has this little phrase in there. He says, pay attention to what you listen to. Mm-hmm. Isn't that fascinating? Wow. So there's a difference between um, paying attention and listening. Chief of which is um, uh, when I was when I was a teenager and my parents. So I heard every word they said, but I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> and uh, we probably told you on this podcast my kid by a crazy idea that I would look bored as my father tried to make a point clear to me because I saw some kid do that to a teacher in the high school. And I thought. Man, that is so cool. So, my dad's really giving me a. I I said, Oh my God, what have I done? (laughs) So, first of all, this is I'm fortunate to be here this morning, and uh, I should have gone straight to heaven or perhaps to hell with that one. He (laughs) fortunately was not a violent man. So, a conservative position would say uh, government has proper roles. Uh, the promotion of justice and um, the tamping down of evil, ameliorating of evil, but it has a limited role. It's what Samuel Johnson said, it actually how how little it is in actually governing behavior. Um, But it has a place. And uh, it also provides and has historically provided um, infrastructure, of which, you know, simple as... uh, Tax collection, tax revenue, um, police, law enforcement, judiciary, things like that. Things you things you have to have to have a functioning government. So a conservative view is, I think it's probably best to put it, less is more. But there's a place for it. So that's conservative. I don't know exactly where it would date from. The Republican Party recollection comes to me is. Well, it arises out of the former Whigs and uh, W-H-I-G-S. We have to, again, assume (laughs) an uneducated (laughs) electorate. And uh, during the time of Lincoln. So it was known as the Party of Lincoln. And it actually appealed mostly, uh, Republicans initially were mostly a uh, uh, representative, very representative of the African-American community and very embraced by that community. So that tells you something about how things change. Uh, Liberal would have had a more liberal meaning uh, generous. In the words we read in the Bible, may you uh, give with liberality or generosity. Uh, as a more generous view of um, not only government, but of uh, change. So a conservative will tend to want to keep or to, um, put it another way, Remember when Jesus says, whatever you loose on heaven shall be loosed, and whatever you unloose on earth, rather, should be loosed. It's, it's loose and unloose. It's both and. So uh, the conservative, where, where Christians should be conservative, is the unloosing of some things, the binding of them, the keeping of them, that goes for straight through cultures. So it doesn't matter race, gender, history, Western, Eastern, what have you. There are these sets of assumptions that should be bound. They're bound up in eternity, and they're not bound up in a certain culture. However, then there are some things that should be loosed, changed, And so, you know, Pat, whenever I see you, for example, you don't give me a holy kiss. Which has always kind of bothered me in a way. (laughs) So we're saying there, <laughs> that should be loosed. And so we Christians should be liberal on top of being, well, and side by side with being conservative. Progressivism, I doubt readers will plod their way through it, but the best way to appreciate progressivism is through Cato's uh, um, K- uh, books, uh, the four volumes on Lyndon Baines Johnson So Lyndon Baines Johnson grew up in Southwest Texas, which he was similar to living in the middle ages. And so he has a 30, 40 page, uh, excursus at one point early on in his first volume of what it's like to have been a woman and what it was like to live in that hot, dusty, where the average woman, he, his research is phenomenal. Um, would I think would travel several miles with two with a, with a two buckets on from each shoulder on the crossbeam <clears throat> to haul the water back and forth on laundry day. This was a, but, as you said this was Texas. This would be late eighteen hundreds Texas. Wow, oh my gosh, it just goes on and on. So that they his point would be by the, roughly by the age of thirty five through bearing children, through laundry day, through cooking through putting out sheets that became like boards in the hot, dusty, blazing hot, dry wind. If you've ever really been in southwest Texas, where you're always picking grit out of your teeth. Um, by 35, the, the women look like haggard, looked like something out of the Disney movie. So, you say, well, so what? Well, first of all, life was hard. Second, uh, Johnson noticed uh, that uh, it was the railroad barons who basically determined the fate of the little town. They were, they were the closest town to them. By choosing another one some 40, 50 miles away, the town that was closest to them died mm. for all intents and purposes. And he began to realize, if you, you have to get the levers of government and pull those levers if you're going to have access to the sorts of things that he wanted to have access to. As you know, he only went to a teacher's college. When he came into the Kennedy administration, he always felt like a, 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 an outsider. But in fact he wasn't invited in most meetings. I don't think I, I, I'm trying to think if he ever even met with Kennedy. Wow. Uh, he was brought in for the votes to get the get Texas, um, but he, he learned this lesson. He learned it well. He is uh, you have got to get a hold of the levers of government that became progressivism it's undergirded much of it by what we talked about before positivism and positivism was uh, the view that the most positive society no longer has a need for um, these institutions that would be more aligned with the conservative view um, religion marriage family commerce and uh, instead, more of a, a centralized, more efficient government. Hence, <laughs> progressivism. It's like an oxymoron there. Well, it's progress. And so, <clears throat> progress in the American psyche has a great deal of, uh, of appeal. And Woodrow Wilson was uh, the first progressive President if memory serves me correctly, you know Woodrow Wilson used to talk quite a bit about the uh, constraints, the restraints of the US Constitution and how it just was in like it. Huh. Uh, and that tells you something about it. so out of progressivism came a view that uh, the Constitution is more is malleable, and in the conservative ranks, uh, you see what's called originalism, that the original intent is uh, of the uh, framers can be understood, and hence. Um, but the uh, the progressives began to feel that that's impossible to know, and they did not have a. Um, a was a culturally bound document that can be amended, expanded, uh, reinterpreted, so on and so forth. So, it's more in the the progressive camp that you find in 1947, hitherto uh, unseen right to privacy, having to do with a case that came before them regarding contraceptives. So you can see how these take a long time to uh, wind and unwind, Pat, but with conservatives, they've increasingly became um Resistant, but not intelligently resistant, in many case it was just that's the way it's always been. Mm. Um, even though I'm very I'm, I'm far more warm to originalism um, and Scalia was probably the best proponent of it in the United States Supreme Court, Anthony Scalia. But you, uh, you don't have an educated electorate who understands originalism. You don't have an educated electorate that understands conservative. So, again, typically the problem in any society, any ideology, any government is you tend to overplay your hand. And conservatives were overplaying their hand with a uh, uh, capitalism, or, well, Herbert Hoover, the business of America is business that really appealed to conservatives that too is is pretty much a dumbing down. Mm. I can't imagine George Washington's fatherly farewell, his farewell fatherly address saying my country, the business here is business.
0: (laughs) 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 That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even even (coughs) about originalism, just uh, having an educated guess at what the original intent was. I mean, that itself is, uh, requires a significant amount of education.
1: It, 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 yeah. And, um, well, just, um, just familiarity goes a long way. Yeah. I yep. just, uh, so I don't have a significant amount of education. I just have some familiarity and, uh, in the same way. So today the, the debate really is, between a progressivist view and a and a uh, conservatism that really are um, they really I like how Douglas Murray puts in his book The Madness of Crowds. Made these things they were just arriving at the station, as he puts it, having doing some good things, and then the train just accelerated, just blew through everything, and now. There is no debate on these things. If you're on the wrong side of the issue, you're a bigot, racist, um, homophobic, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And uh, that, to me, could signal the demise of a uh, of a great experiment. Uh, well, I think it does signal the demise. I'm, I'm not a fatalist, but... Um, that's the sort of thing that is the uh, that could be the death knell of the great experiment. So that relinquishes you
0: to uh, forgo your voting rights, right? You're just gonna go, <clears throat> Send said, cave
1: <laughs> and weep. <laughs> no, um, but I do whatever side of an issue you're on that someone we'll has talked at least to uh believers if they're going to bring anything redemptive to the great experiment is to at least become familiar with the other side of the issue or at least become more widely familiar with um, where we are today but uh, you know yeah voting is is far more difficult um because um let me give you an example is um So occasionally when I get on the old stationary bike down in the basement, I'll just flip on an old uh, firing line with William Buckley. And uh, you can watch in a um, amiable back and forth between conservatives and liberals. And uh, there's a generosity of spirit Mm. that really does, in a small way, it does it does uh, embody what used to be some semblance of this um what we've been writing about recently the cloud of unknowing now they wouldn't know about the cloud of unknowing but when it even slightly permeates a society it, it, it gives it operates on the assumption of uh maybe i don't know as much about this issue as i think maybe i ought to listen carefully to the other side maybe i ought to be respectful of the other side respectful
0: yeah yeah that seems to be lost the the respect for sure it sure does but But yeah i like that the the cloud of unknowing that idea even if i'm pretty sure i'm right I'm not definitively sure I'm right, and that's uh, that, that that's seems right. to be <laughs> slightly missing today.
1: I really I do. I do uh, think so. I, when we've spoken before about if we're in a modern day Babylon and we're going to be like the sons of Judah or like Daniel, you don't see Daniel popping off of Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs>
0: that's a good, you know, good point. <laughs>
1: So, you don't see uh, there's old, there's old Nebby. Um, So, you know, where Trump uh, just completely, in my opinion, uh, undercut any credibility was the name calling. Yeah. But then on the other side of the coin, Tim Scott gives a brilliant response to the State of the Union address of a few weeks ago. And as you know, Tim is. South Carolina, Republican, African American senator, uh, eloquent, but he starts out by saying, uh, Joe Biden's a good man. And we disagree on some things. There's a difference between disagreeing and being disagreeable. And um, mm-hmm. that's what politics used to be about. And, but he, he went on to say, um, and he has experienced a lot, as you can imagine, as an African American and it but along the way in this short response to the state of the union he said but America's not a racist country now here's what's fascinating the next two public appearances kamala harris and joe biden both agree agree with him on that point yeah infuriating progressives
0: yeah why why do you think that is because he went
1: off he went off message the message today and again i would recommend readers i think you'd enjoy um douglas murray's book uh, the madness of crowds but as he points out you can't on that issue if you say anything other than party line you're racist there is but one position it's a racist country, period. If you disagree, you're racist.
0: Yeah, which sort, sort of gets immediately to that name-calling piece. That's interesting.
1: Gets to name-calling. Yeah. And yeah. uh, it's not respectful of... Uh, maybe it's more nuanced than that. Hmm. Yeah. And so he's playing off... Um, Murray's playing off the book um, of many years ago, the The Wisdom of Crowds and uh he's i think he's right he's saying no, it's the madness of crowds on these on four issues in the book one would be a uh, gender uh one would be the gay movement uh, one would be uh, the black lives movement or the black or call it what you like but um uh, so here's a, a young man uh, who's gay and the story the book starts out where he goes to a gay conversion, uh, showing a, a film uh, put on by a man who advocates for gay confer- conversion, who himself, I believe comes from Norway. But this is going to be screened in uh, London or somewhere. And at the last second, someone notified the uh, venue that a group of about 180 had rented, that is about gay conversion. And immediately the uh, theater says, we, we can't show it here. And they come up, of course, with all the fancy language. But the fact is, um, Murray just asked the question, well, why not? In other words, there's absolutely no merit at all in anything this entire group is going to say. Mm. Well, that would mean that you know everything about the issue. right? So uh, they found another venue. He went to the event. Um, And if you, you, it's just, it's a good story to start with because here's a uh, gay man He says he's an atheist. Now he's got a kind of a funny way of describing atheists. Sometimes calls himself a Christian atheist (laughs) because he appeals for whatever happened to respect, forgiveness, so on and so forth. So he's pulling terms straight out of the... uh, the rabbit hat called Christianity and they kind of magically appear, but you always have to ask yourself the question, where did the hat come from? <laughs> and uh, but he's, really, he's a delightful writer. He's a delightful interviewer. And um, But he would say, this is madness. It, it doesn't bode well for Europe. It doesn't bode well for the United States. It's madness. So Tim Scott... I mentioned Murray because there's something, I get it, but it's not exactly the healthiest of societies. that says, well, if you're a gay person, then you can talk about the gay movement. You're legit. Then you have Tim Scott, and Tim Scott, black, so now he's speaking out on racism. Uh, But he's still assaulted by the progressives and they oh yeah i was going to say so uh, you know one of the, some things that come out immediately as well uncle tim yeah i mean that's just um that's insulting of someone's dignity so this goes both ways so conservatives are still many pathetically uh, salivate over trump because of uh, legislation that was enacted and i get it and it was helpful but it was long ago francis schaeffer said um, if you're not familiar with schaeffer just uh google uh uh, labri it was called l l apostrophe a-b-r-i which means shelter it was a movement for many 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 years in europe to try to under the verse in revelation um to strengthen that which remains of the faith after World War II and had its, uh, its ascendancy in the 60s, probably peaked in 1969. It was a fantastic place for people to uh, really understand the times and know what to do. And a lot of young people came to faith and so on and so forth. And, um, but Schaefer used to say that the death of a society when it, is when it came down to personal peace and affluence and then it's pretty much over. And personal peace is uh, I just want to protect my little life, my little kids, my little this, my little that, and progressives and conserv- conservatism and progressives both do that. And affluence is, uh, every time I hear someone say, yeah, but that, no, that 2017 tax law, that was really helpful. To which I don't, I don't dispute that. But, shoot, if you want to talk in that regard, um, China's hitting the ball out of the park. So what I do you mean there? Well, their GDP, mm. their economy, uh, the efficiencies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, you have Xi now taking on the mantle. Hardly any Christians even noticed this past week. He had now taken on the same title that Mao and will exert the same controls but you have a rapidly rising affluence prior to that remember the uh, dramatic rise in affluence after OPEC in the Middle East yeah that's not like a society you want well see again conservatives there's something off when it says well you know the market Determines the value. And I want to go, mole. That's a good the point. markets have something to do with it. Yeah. But in that case, you know, you and I, Pat, if we were shrewd, we'd go into the business of pornography. Yeah, it's uh, pretty lucrative. It's, it's uh, people are trying to, uh, a few, uh, Nicholas Kristof in the New York Times wrote about it because uh, you know these are billionaires in Canada over the empire that includes I can't remember the name of it, but uh, it is worth billions. It's a Fortune five com- com- company if it were listed, and wow. uh, it has to, it is destroying the lives mostly of women destroying and um, I mean it's more it's it's too horrific to talk about even here when you have the, the explosive growth of rape sites and children and all the rest and uh, hey market rules market determines value uh, you know there's but again uh, conservatives have lost the ability to even address this, uh, um, the famous uh, I think it was Blackman who uh, M um, U M Blackman, uh, Supreme Court Justice, who was asked to define poetry, uh, not poetry, <laughs> pornography, and his uh, his definition was, "I know it when I see it." Huh. Well. <laughs> <laughs> That's partly true. Seems a little lacking. <laughs> it's a little lacking if you're going to in any way. So, we, we didn't mean to drift over here, but it's, it's worth drifting over. You can see the uh, utter uh, inability of either progressives or conservatism to address uh, the most recent, uh, where this, where uh, the this outside board just punted. On Facebook, was trying to make a determination regarding uh, uh, Trump, and they just, uh, you know, they just said well, in six months, but in six months, come up with a determination. Well, you can see if if you're, you can see how the market can't answer that question. You have to have some sort of a semblance of uh, this is what we ought to do, and this is what a society ought not to do, and this is. Mm-hmm. This is where you have the limits and where you don't have the limits. And so this really is boiling down to the question of um, what should be unbound and what should be bound, what should be loosened, what should be unloosened.
0: Huh. You know, it's, it's interesting thinking about the, uh, the round table. We've talked about that before. But, you know, I'm thinking knight, a king, wise sage, and court jester. And we've talked about the sage and the court jester are on the outside, but uh, but obviously, questions around what ought to be fall in line with the sage. Um, but but it's interesting today in particular how, e- even looking at the Corchester role, you know who's who's intentionally designed to mock and to to be the outsider to kind of call out our blind spots. You know, even even that taken very literally as as comedy. You know how much we've clamped down on comedy and what's appropriate to make jokes about, but even just in general, um, how we've clamped down on, on that idea of a corchester, It, uh, it is, it's, it's quite telling, uh, in terms of a society and the health of a society. It's just interesting that you could you know, sort of apply that same lens to society at large.
1: Yeah. I, I, um, yeah, I had the opportunity to travel in the Soviet union one year before it fell. And, um, it was, it was a pretty humorless society,
0: mm.
1: but you know, it's funny because we, we will, we made fun of, but not only made fun of, we were just, we were appalled at the rewriting of history in the Soviet Union, the, uh, censorship, the, uh, we're now, we're, we're doing the same thing. Yeah. And um, the rewriting of history, and this goes progressives and conservatives. Yeah, is uh, to reverse um, some view based upon the cultural winds, licking your finger and going, "Oh, things have changed here." So yeah, life well, changed, and then to deny you ever felt the other way. Now, Joe Biden's flip on abortion, he just licked his fingers and felt the wind and went, well, I can't be against abortion. That kind of uh, shallowness when we're dealing with human life is, um, is it's troubling, but it goes both ways. I mean, we're going to talk shallow. The uh, most recent Republican president is probably the most shallow chief executive this country has ever had. I mean, I thought Herbert Hoover was <laughs> was bad enough. Uh, but Herbert Hoover, at least, was respectful and brought some dignity to it. This thing was, this, yeah. this was absolutely pathetic. And to think that you have that many in the party, the Republican Party, who harbor a hope that maybe he'll run again is just... Now, the old adage is, you get what you deserve, And so, um, in some of these recent administrations, we've gotten exactly what we deserve. But no one sees, uh, well, no one, you rarely see or read about pulling the lens back. So I will start with, um, conservatism because my leanings lean towards conservative, but not conservatism and where, um, then uh, you know, particularly uh, very few who would lean that way today, which would be on the right, uh, understand institutions, um, understand the, um, the notion that markets don't set the rules, they reflect the rules. And uh, because we don't think institutions, we don't understand the need to build cultural capital in political systems so that we actually have a representative voice. One example would be, that I'm not, um, you know, yay Protestant, all Protestant, but the Supreme Court was primarily Protestant up until recently. Thank God for Catholicism. Um, mm-hmm. But Protestants over the last uh, 40, 50 years, gone. And we and so my evangelical friends, who would mostly be Protestant, you'd be bringing this up, they go, huh?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And then on the other side of the coin, with the benefits that uh, accrue to a society from um, a healthy liberalism and mm-hmm. liberal democracy are pretty much eroded by progressivism, which is be, which is becoming highly censorious of uh, those who uh, disagree uh and so if you're white Europe, <clears throat> white european male let me see what else have i got against me boomer um just on and on it goes whereas and you know you read in scripture uh the wisdom of gray hair here um I don't feel like a victim, that's not my point. But you want to talk about a, a reverse racism? Well, you can't. Because I've grown up white privileged, apparently. And um, well, you will we'll never discover where the truth lies. If in fact, here's the here's the baseline you are white privileged and blind now let me tell you who you are i know you better than you, you know you mm. and of course there is there some truth in that? of course but a half truth is a whole lie so in a society that really can't think beyond a 2.6 second soundbite we swallow whole lies all the time just swallow them and then regurgitate them to other people and it's bile it's not helpful and i would fault right across the board. It's not only of political systems but our uh, our religious institutions have yeah you know, i listened in on a zoom the other day and these are mostly left of center uh, religious organizations and churches and I, I just I just couldn't I really couldn't sit in probably because okay am I amateur Show sure enough uh, should I be more patient probably uh, not probably I should let me see fruits of the spirit love joy patience dang <laughs> the third one I'm still trying to work on love do I have to and I'm a pretty happy joyful guy but The patience. I just thought, this is, that Zoom was pooling ignorance. And no one can, no one can say that. That's what a court jester could do in a sage. But I've been in on uh, conservative, mostly white. I mean, I've been invited into these endless ones that would be more on the right of center, religious bodies and the heads. And I just go, this is pooling ignorance. Chief of which is, I uh, heard a young person the other morning say, uh, we just revel in everything's just got to be relational. And I just go, I know, I know exactly what you mean. That's more of the, this camp uh, to the right. And that's why we're not on this, that's why we don't um, actually say to someone, you ought to go to uh, try to uh, go to these schools and one day actually aim for a career in perhaps politics or perhaps um, even aim for uh, the appellate courts or the uh, United States Supreme Court and bring the wisdom that, uh, that uh, an evangelical Catholic view could bring, Catholic little seed, that is more of the, the view embraced by the worldwide church regarding the gospel and institutions with a fervency or the the uh, the the benefit of what evangelical has always brought going back to uh, the early centuries that this has got to be very personal but it's also very public catholic well you i lose most of my evangelical friends on that because for them They're just thinking, Watcher's doing great, and it's growing, and we have a fantastic youth group, and... So it's all relational, and I've got a community group, so we're good. The left would go more... Yeah, but... The African-American community, and here in Annapolis, for example, has got major collapse. But again, in that group, if I were to bring up... Daniel Moynihan's famous 1965 report... Once civil rights, again, a good move by liberals in many ways under Johnson. But Moynihan warned the administration, just because they'll now start to have equal access, which redressed a wrong, this doesn't in any way guarantee equal outcomes. But they're going to expect it. Was he or what?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Mike, one thing you've said in the past that I resonate with is uh, <laughs> when you're around your conservative peers, they tend to think you're too liberal. And when you're around your liberal <laughs> peers, they tend to think you're too conservative. And yeah, uh, and I, I totally, totally resonate with that. And I, I think of how many conversations I've had with uh, with a liberal that's just going off about conservatives. And my question will simply be, you know, hey, how many how many do you actually know how many how many do you know well and the answer is usually pretty few mm-hmm. and then same thing with conservatives uh particularly religious conservatives that are you know of the stronger persuasion of of the the um the evil pursuits of the left um you know I'll, I'll ask the same question how many how many democrats do you know personally that you have a relationship with and usually the answer is few, if any. And it's, uh, it's just pretty, it's pretty wild. I I think I'm fortunate that um, I, I'm involved in a faith community that's often more on the conservative side, but I am involved in a, uh, an industry that is far more left. And so it's, it's almost like living at out of the two sides, you know, and, and that's helped keep me a little bit, I think more center, but it's, It's hard when you don't have those relationships built at all with anyone. And now today, as you said, it's even more challenging just to build those relationships. I think it's funny when uh, office relationships or even, you know, uh, I'm thinking of small groups, you know, where suddenly there's like turmoil in the small group because of the political climate. And it's, it's sad, but also comical, you know, like, well, what happened before when, None of this is being discussed. you're the same people <laughs> you're the same personality same you know you were friends before, but when you talk about politics, not your enemies you know but, but doesn't that isn't that a red flag that maybe maybe we're going about this the wrong way
1: yes it, 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 um, first of all, we know with the shallowing of neural pathways the, um, the brain it hasn't changed that much over whether or not you're a young earth or we've been around a million years the human brain has not um, evolved or changed that much you the brain the hemispheres always work when they hear words to put them inside a frame or they're meaningless so if i say something like elohim and you're not familiar at all with hebrew language you're gonna hear that word and go "What? what what is that and then you're gonna try to locates on the it's all happening unconsciously but so for because one of my our granddaughters is named ellen you might go did he say ellen um is it a is that another scottish name you see how the brain searches right and it's just doing it it yeah, faster than the speed of light frankly so when you hear someone say if you're talking to someone who is to the right as you said and you go uh, you know um President Biden made a good point. Bing, uh, liberal, because <laughs> the brain's just trying to say, made a good point. Yeah, how, what the hell? How the hell did he make a good point? Yeah, mm. but it works the other way too. And so, blah 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 blah. Racism is is we are not racist. Bing, how can, how can you possibly? Ah, he's racist. Uh, that would be the. Uh, the death of a society. To, and so you're pointing, you know, there's wisdom in Paul's closing comments in Romans, pay attention to what you listen to. And so we've said it uh, enough that some of your listeners might be just going, oh, here we go again. <laughs> but, but I want you to pay attention. <laughs> there's a reason why I'm just not on most of the stuff that people think is absolutely vital beyond to get through life. Um, Because the human brain, first of all, if you're on uh, social media a lot, the algorithms have pushed you into one camp or the other, so you won't hear the best of the other side. Yeah. And at that point, yeah, I think that is uh, another. That's a death knell for a society. Uh, yeah, when, when we when we planted a church here way back, you know, five hundred years ago. No, we uh, <clears throat> one of the things was a good friend of mine. And I we had different views on infant baptism, and so uh, he wrote from the background. He wrote a on one or two pager that uh, affirmed the background I came from, and I had to read his the best mm-hmm. of his. Came up in one two pager, and it was just very enlightening. And uh, so, what happened in this uh, in that church was, if they came and said, "Hey, we got our little tyke here we want to be baptized," or could be, or they could say they have an adult, in there, or maybe they even came to faith and so say they want to be baptized. All we required is you had to read the best of the other side and just do a quick little summary of it.
0: Huh? It, wow.
1: It's all you had to do. And that, that drove away a good portion of people who, um, just now the ones who did it said, that's pretty fascinating, man. I don't agree, but I can disagree without being disagreeable. I get it. I see the, the point is Pat, every system inside the system is logically coherent. Right. Now, so you understand that i'm not sure how many people even understand what i just said there but if you assume that that uh, that uh, people can can float in the air then if you read about someone floating in the air that's logically coherent you go yeah of course yeah that mm-hmm. that can happen um and so if, if if you read on infant baptism from one view but you see oh Based on a set of assumptions that's logically coherent, they're not nuts, they're not yeah. idiots, yeah. and but it works the other way. And the assumptions, frankly, and where I've been getting hit a little bit recently by the conservatives, is the assumptions are really based in um traditions or assumptions that uh. They, they may or may or not be in the Bible, or they are, here's another way to put it, they are implicit, but not explicit in the Bible. And that's where conservatives don't do particularly well. Uh, so we've been talking a bit about the Eucharist, and uh, su- not surprising the number of conservatives who go, where exactly in the Bible is that? I love that word, exactly. <laughs> because they're the same people you could say, well, where exactly is the Trinity? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I mean it's in there because you if you take this and oh so it's implicit, not explicit. And there's a whole boatload of reasons why, as exactly when we're talking about something that is this bright and powerful as Emily Dickinson said, if it was clear, it'd be blinding. And so You know of course for charity for all i I try to be charitable i'm sure i don't hit the mark all the time but um there's a blindness in a lot of conservatives that uh where does it say that exactly the bible to which i've been saying well you never give me a holy kiss (laughs) <laughs> oh that's cultural where does it say that in the Bible <laughs> listen I, lo- I love I cool. love God's word and it's alive and living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as, bar- as far as the division of soul and spirit and joint and marrow it judges the thoughts and the intentions of the heart I don't hear that much anymore it's fascinating to me when they say you know What does it say in the Bible? Well, well, here's what it does say in the Bible. Two-thirds of the New Testament is written. With nary a thought about what's happening in the wider world, it's written to address problems in the church. Now, if you're of the view that most of the Bible's written, probably in the first century, there's a whole boatload of stuff that's going wrong already in the first century. (laughs) And a lot of it is. The same thing that's happening, similar to what's happening today, in my opinion, is the wisdom of unknowing. The wisdom of, you see, if you really think you got the thing nailed, you're not paying attention to the wisdom of Ecclesiastes. Do not be excessively righteous. Why would you ruin yourself? We are, we are righteous, and we're called to live righteous lives and to be righteous. Excessive righteousness is what's happening in our political systems today. And it's the ruination of, of a country. But I see excessive righteousness in left and right churches. And it's the ruination of the gospel. Because if you're conservative, you look at a liberal church, and go, what the hell's wrong with them? But if you're in the left you look at cheers on the radio what the hell's wrong with them or one will say how in the hell could you pay play uh vote for donald trump and the other side how the hell could you pay um uh, pray what well, you should pray for but how could you vote for joe biden what's well, this that's this is the madness of crowds